Hello and welcome to the People Powered Green Left Podcast, where we give a voice to the 99% of not the big corporations. If you think this project is important, please consider becoming a supporter today. Now, on to our latest episode. You're listening to Green Left, and um, for our program today, we have Federico Fontes um, on um, on our program today um, to have a bit to have a bit of a discussion about the recent um, election result in Bolivia. Um, probably some of our listeners are probably aware um, that last year um, Bolivia was the subject of this right wing kind of coup. Uh, against uh, the movement towards socialism government. And now recently, um, last weekend, or this weekend, or, or whatever way you um, you um, mark the time, um, um, there has been a recent election in Bolivia, and the um, movement towards um, socialism has won overwhelm, uh, overwhelmingly kind of majority against the right-wing coup government, um, which I think is a very kind of significant result for the left, especially since... We don't tend to have many victory kind of stories in in terms of the left, so I think this is a very kind of positive thing. Um, so yeah, Fred, I guess what maybe to kind of start off, maybe having um, given, I guess, a bit of a background, I guess, a political background to, I guess, this election um, and the kind of election result, and maybe we can go in and get into, I guess, more specifics about um, the election and Bolivian politics in general. So the the the, the backdrop to this election really. Uh, is, is three, three factors. Uh, the first is the one that you've mentioned, which was essentially the, the coup that took place last year. Last year in October, there were presidential elections. In those elections, the then candidate for the movement towards socialism and at the time President Evo Morales, uh, won those elections. Uh, the way the Bolivian electoral system works, that you can win outright in the first round if you get over 50% of the vote, or if you obtain a margin of more than 10% on your nearest rival. Uh, Evo Morales achieved that, uh, beating his nearest rival, Carlos Mesa, uh, by just over 10%. However, those results were hotly disputed, leading to a wave of protests in Bolivia. And then finally, the military stepping in uh, to demand Evo resign and hand over power. Subsequent to that, we saw an illegitimate interim regime under interim president Janine Añez, a largely unknown senator, uh, preside over a government whose almost immediate first instincts was to overturn a lot of the uh, important gains that have been made in terms of indigenous representation in the state, even such Moves, symbolic moves as taking down the Wipala flag, the indigenous Wipala flag uh, from the presidential palace, uh, brutal repression against anti-coup protesters, including two massacres um, that left uh, dozens dead, um, and subsequent persecution, uh, terrorization, imprisonment of supporters of the movements towards socialism. So that's, that's the first factor, uh, essentially a, a, a counter-revolutionary coup that installs in a, a right-wing regime who uses that power to try to essentially uh, re- remove from the political scene the movement towards socialism. And the second factor has, of course, been the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Bolivia's handling of the pandemic has been amongst the worst in the world. Um, it is at least within the top five, uh, and at some points has been in the top three in terms of per capita death rates uh, from COVID-19. Of course, its population is much smaller so in overall numbers, it doesn't get much media attention. 
but on a per capita rate, it's had one of the highest death rates by far in, in the world. Compounding that problem is the cases of corruption that have been exposed uh, in the government's so-called attempts to deal with the pandemic. The most famous case being the, the purchasing of uh, respirators from Spain, at which the price was you know, more than double what the going rate was for those ventilators. So clearly a case of large-scale corruption that took place, um, many people pocketing money uh, from the health budget in the context of, a, of a, a deep global pandemic, which was particularly hitting Bolivia very hard. And the third aspect is the, the economic aspect. So that is after 14 years of movement towards socialism, government that had seen sustained economic growth, in fact, had seen Bolivia leading the region as the, the largest growing economy. We've seen a massive contraction in the, in the, in the country's economy over this last year. Of course, that's in part to blame uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's not exclusively uh, explained by that. We've seen GDP contract on a, on a very large level, uh, meaning that, you know, we've seen uh, a rise once again uh, in poverty, something that had been tackled very, uh, very well by the, the previous movement towards socialism government. Uh, we've seen unemployment rise. So all of these factors set, set the framework for the elections that took place uh, last weekend. And so what can you tell us, go tell us, I guess, a bit more, I guess, about the implication, I guess, of this kind of electoral response um, um, in terms of the electoral result, um, especially in terms of, like, you know, the international response and what is kind of like the prospects um, for the movement towards socialism to kind of take advantage of this um, increased kind of majority yeah, so the, the you know how, how do we explain the vote? The, the vote really is a, a reaction to to all of this backdrop on the one hand. So from from the from the from the indigenous majority uh, in in Bolivia, it's 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 a reaction against what they've seen as a, a regime that has directly attacked uh, not not just their uh, their economic well-being, but even their their right to exist uh, as as a group of people in in, in Bolivia. So there's certainly been a strong element of the vote uh, that's been generated is an absolute need to get rid of this repressive uh, regime, which which I should add, you know, or had already on on two previous occasions uh, attempted to to postpone the elections and was already trying to postpone these elections it was only because of the mobilisations um, by social movements that actually enforced this election date to occur and for the elections to to go ahead. So in, in that regards, that, that was an important aspect. That together with the ability of the movement towards socialism to present a project to the Bolivian society that both built on the important achievements, which many Bolivians continue to support um, uh, today, are the important achievements of the previous movement towards socialism government, combined with measures of how to move forward in the context of the economic crisis and the pandemic, really explain this, this, this large vote. Now, the international reaction because the vote has been so large, has been overwhelmingly to accept and congratulate and acknowledge this result. This is quite different to the to last year's elections result, uh, where foreign factors, uh, whether that be the US government, whether that be the General Secretary of the Organization of American States, attempted to uh, use that, the closeness of the vote to sow uh, doubt about the legitimacy of the result, to sow doubt about the vote, and essentially to pave the way for this coup. This is just not being possible. And the most clearest example of that is even though that's still today, we don't have the final actual official tally. Um, on the night of the elections themselves, uh, Anya, the interim president herself, came out even before figures had been released to say, look, 
it seems clear from all the data we're receiving that um, that Luis Arce, uh, the mass candidate, has won. So we 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 accept the result, and we, we you know we hope that he governs for, for in the interest in the interest of Bolivia. And what are the prospects moving forward? As I said, it's it's a difficult prospect because it's facing an economic crisis which is extremely deep. It's facing uh, one of the worst um, hit. It's a country being worst hit uh, by COVID-19. Um, but there's an important base of support from which to build on. Uh, it's, it has to be, it's important to emphasize that it's, it's still only uh, a, a beginning base. Uh, 53 or 54% looks like what might be the final end result is an extremely good result. Uh, unheard of. It's the only other president to get that kind of vote has been Evo Morales in, 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 in Bolivian, in, uh, give one, one more exception, but in, in Bolivian history. Uh, but there'll be a need to, to continue to build on that support. And that will be, have to be done by providing concrete responses uh, to, to these very pressing issues. And the kind of next kind of question, and I think it would be kind of good to kind of address this, especially since often on the left, there has been kind of this debate about um, what is the actual kind of character of the MAS government? Um, is, it a, is it a progressive government or is it just a, ref, a reformist kind of government? Or has it been, is it or is it kind of partially to blame for, the, or is it entirely to blame for the economic sort of problems um, that kind of Bolivia kind of faces? And so I'm kind of interested to hear, kind of hear your kind of comments and kind of analysis in response to kind of that often sort of um, that debate that kind of occurs in the left in response to some of these pink-tied kind of left-wing governments um, such as Bolivia? Yeah, I I think that when China analysed the the mass and what it represents, it's just important to understand precisely what is the mass and its trajectory. I mean, even starting from the fact that its name, Movement Towards Socialism, is not the the name that the founders of the organisation wanted. I mean, what is today known as the MAS, or more accurately, actually, the MAS IPSP, IPSP, which is the instrument, popular instrument for the sovereignty of the peoples, um, begins as a response, in particular, uh, by the coca growers of the Chapare region, uh, where Evo Morales um, you know, grew, grew, went through the ranks of the trade union to become the leader of, of that union a response to the repressive policies, uh, repressive actions of governments, and a determination by this group, this, this particular trade union, in alliance with other Campesino and Indigenous unions, to say, well, look, the only way we're going to put an end to the, these repressive actions and these repressive policies is by changing the people in power. If we want to change the laws, we need to be in the, in the, in the positions of power to change those laws for ourselves to make sure those laws benefit us. And that's where the, the idea of creating the political instrument for the sovereignties of the people comes about. Um, it's viewed not as a traditional political party, but rather as one, a, a, a political wing of the social movements. Um, what it's able to do is very quickly gain uh, an important base in Cochabamba, where the Chapare region is, where Evo is elected to, to national parliament together with a, a number of other uh, deputies, um, from there, it's able to build in more alliances with other social movements, begin to gain traction in other parts of Bolivia, uh, recognising that this was, uh, you know, uh, not enough, um, and seeing that there was a widespread discontent with the, the existing governments in the early 2000s, particularly following the uprisings that overthrew a president in 2002, a similar uprising in 2005. 
the mass acknowledges that it needs to expand its base even further and so starts to attract uh, movement, popular movements in urban sectors as well as uh, intellectuals, the left, left intellectuals, uh, smaller left parties, brings them into its ranks in order to try to con, con, you know, build a coalition um, that, that is able to then present a project to society that can obtain the kind of level of support unheard of for any other previous uh, president uh, in, in recent times. And prior to Evo Morales, it was very almost unheard of for any party to get more than about 25% of the vote. Um, what we saw with Evo Morales' election in 2005 was that he won with over 50% of the vote. This is, this is where the must comes from, and this, ex, this in many ways explains how it then went on to govern. Uh, it explains, for instance, the constant tensions that have existed between uh, street protests uh, and wanting to access positions of power. Um, so social movements, you know, being unsure of or social leaders being unclear of what is their exact role when we are no longer protesting against uh, a government that opposes us, but that we are today dealing with a government that is supposedly meant to be representing us. And in fact, that some of our key leaders are members of, of that same government. It also explains some of the tensions that have existed between these social movements and those that they refer to as the, the invited ones, those that have joined the must later on, but in many cases because of their professional training, um, because of the fact that they've had a university education, have perhaps leapfrogged into positions in ministries, uh, in, in parliament, positions that the social movements believe rightfully belong, belong to them. But what, what the must has been able to do, of course, not, not without mistakes and errors, you know, uh, as, as, as occurs in any process such as what's occurring in Bolivia uh, today where you're trying to fundamentally overturn 500 years of, of colonialism, or of, of, of indigenous dispossession, um, of extreme poverty, um, you know, the, the mistakes will be made. But what, what we're fundamentally seeing is, is a party, as I said, rooted in the, in the indigenous campesino movements of the countryside, and that has broadened out its its base uh, to 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 expand its 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 electoral reach. That has been able to present a project to society that has enabled it to be able to win elections. Now attempting to do that with all the contradictions that come about when you bring together all all, all of these different forces. And the reality is that while mistakes have made, overwhelmingly the positives have been much more uh, have have outnumbered those. Whether we look at it in economic terms, as I mentioned before. I mentioned GDP growth, but not, not just economic growth, but the, that, that growth, that wealth has been redistributed to, uh, you know, see some record levels of reductions in, in poverty and extreme poverty, whether that be in, in, in attempts to actually deal with some of the contradictions that come about when your economy is based on uh, natural resource extraction, but you're also wanting to uh, lead the world in fighting climate change. You know, how do you deal with those problems? Again, not without its mistakes, the Bolivian government has actually been able, uh, you know, dealing, trying to deal with these and come up with policies and laws and and and, and concrete actions um, how how to do that. And we're already starting to see that with the new mass government today, where in response to the economic crisis and the pandemic that the government faces, uh, Luis Arce has made it clear what what he believes at least are the first initial steps that need to be taken uh, in order to deal with the current situation, and that is one renegotiation of Bolivia's foreign debt. Bolivia cannot continue to pay the IMF, the World Bank, 
uh, all, all these other institutions, uh, money that in many cases are illegitimate loans, including, for example, loans that were literally taken out just days before this last election by the, the illegitimate regime, uh, the illegitimate Anya's regime. Uh, Artsair has said there's no way we can continue to pay this and actually the world has to share the burden of what this pandemic has meant for everyone. Um, and so that means in Bolivia's case, either deferral, moratorium or cancellation of foreign debt and the imposition of a wealth tax. Uh, that is, you know, we, we can't wait, you know, to do a tax on, uh, you know, increased company tax or, 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 or things like that, uh, particularly where, you know, largely the main companies are already state owned or have a, you know, a large share of the state when it comes to natural resource extraction or there are already special royalties or, or, or or rents on, on these taxes. But when it comes to small business, medium-sized business, they're already trying to deal with the economic crisis. The increase in those taxes will take a long time uh, before they start to fill uh, uh, government uh, coffers. Instead, what we need is an immediate tax on larger states. And those who have too much money need to, need to put a share of that over to help Bolivia deal with the economic crisis. Now, they're very positive announcements. Uh, of course, for now, they are just announcements. Arce hasn't even assumed the power yet. He's still a, still a president-elect, and we'll see what, what happens. But they're positive both because they show that the MAS is trying to figure out ways forward in the current context, but also providing and raising issues that are of global interest because the, the issue of global debt um, absolutely is an issue that all people uh, should be taking seriously if we want to get this world out of the pandemic, if, uh, if we want to seriously find a solution um, because there's no way we're going to find a solution to a global pandemic if we leave the, the, the majority of the world's population uh, mired in, in, in debt and poverty um, as we currently have. Yeah, and that um, go, kind of links, I guess, goes into, I guess, the next question, um, which is kind of Bolivia's relationship with the global um, capitalist system, i.e., in some sense, the question of U the U United States and their kind of interests and also the interests of capitalists like the likes of kind of Elon kind of Musk, um, because there's been this whole thing, even though it's sort of not, it hasn't really been clearly kind of spelled out, but one of the kind of contexts for um, why the coup um, was able to happen with the support of um, um, the Western powers or the United States was the fact that the Bolivia has um, massive uh, access to all this, um, to lithium resources. And of course, Elon Musk and his, uh, and Telsa uh, has a lot, um, has a lot to gain out of that. And of course, one of the more fascinating things was um, as soon as the election kind of result happened, uh, Telsa's stocks went right down. So yeah, I kind of want to kind of hear about your com um, comments on that, uh, especially since um, the agenda of mass has been to nationalise those natural resources. Yeah, look, uh, the reality is that even after 14 years of movement towards socialism government, uh, Bolivia remains a capitalist country. It remains inserted in the world global economy and in its economy largely continues to depend on the extraction of natural resources. There's been some important changes uh, that is that under the mass government, due to its wealth redistribution policies, we saw the largest uh, generator of economic growth was actually internal demand. That is because people actually had money to buy stuff. Uh, local companies had the ability to produce stuff to sell because they actually had people to sell it to who had money to be able to buy it. Uh, 
previously there just wasn't any interest in producing for the national market because poverty was so low um, that everything was purely for, for exporting. So there have been some important changes, but it hasn't fundamentally changed the, the, the nature of, of Bolivia's uh, relationship in the, in the world economy. Um, that said, um, whilst I have no doubt that a, an, an ex, you know, extreme part of why um, other political forces, governments, companies were keen to see Evo Morales, government, or Evo Morales moved, removed from government um, because they wanted to, they were opposed to the policies that the Evo Morales government had implemented in terms of uh, its nationalisation of the gas industry, in terms of renegotiation of contracts in the mining sector to benefit the Bolivian state. I think the key thing to understand is that it wasn't purely driven just by uh, the, these economic policies. And that is because they realised that even if tomorrow, or even if they had won these elections last weekend, and Carlos Mesa had have been the, the new president, uh, any attempts to reverse those policies would have faced the very strong resistance of the social movements that make up the backbone of the MAS. So really the, the real target here was not not just the MAS government, although the MAS government, the fact that it was in government meant it could implement policies that directly challenged um, some of the interests of these transnational corporations and, 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 and foreign governments. Um, and, it's, and not just in the economic realm, also in the, in the political realm. Um, so we've seen again another announcement of what the Luis Arce has said his government will do. Um, is that it will work to re-establish UNASUR, the Union of South American uh, Nations, uh, you know, a body that had grown under the progressive governments of, of, of the previous decade, that had basically fallen uh, into repair as right-wing governments uh, came to power in different countries. Now, Bolivia has decided that it will take the lead in re-establishing this as a, as a, a body um, that brings together South American countries to resolve their problems themselves without the interference of outside forces like, like the United States. So we've seen all, all, all of these uh, are, are very important, but I think fundamentally what, what, what they want to get rid of is, is the, the social movements that, that make up the back, backbone of the MAS because I have no doubt that even if the, the, the MAS had lost these elections, we would have still seen an extremely strong MAS opposition that would have fought tooth and nail to oppose the winding back of any of, of the policies that, that, that had been implemented. And that is why the Anya's government's first steps were precisely around those areas to try to uh, deregister the party. They were unable to do that, to try to jail some of its leaders. They got away with some of that, but not, not completely. Um, forcing some of their leaders into exile, um, forcing some of their supporters basically into hiding uh, because of the paramilitary violence that we saw on the streets. I think this is a really important aspect because they realise that what the mass at the end of the day represents is a political movement, as I said, who has at its core Bolivia's indigenous campus singer movements. Uh, and that is a very powerful political movement. Uh, electorally, it's powerful because it's, it may not be a majority on its own, but it's certainly a large minority. Um, but that has proven its ability to expand its reach into, into urban sectors. Uh, but it's also a, move, uh, a, a, a section of society that's shown that it's highly organised and willing to fight fight for its rights. And breaking the backbone of that is is absolutely the target um, of what the opposition parties have, have wanted to do. They are unable to do that. And in fact, uh, the MAS has in some ways come back. Uh, I'm not sure if I would say stronger, but will certainly have learned a lot of lessons over this last year and has the potential. Uh, to, to, to come back uh, uh, stronger with this new under this new Luis Arce government. 
just sort of following on from this analysis of the balance of class forces in Bolivia, um, I noticed that some on the Australian left criticised Mas for not taking up arms against um, Janine Anez back when the coup happened. Does this resounding victory vindicate Mas's response to the coup? Like, if taking up arms was the most logical or necessary way forward don't like don't you think that mass might have gone there like i don't know there seems to at the time when the coup happened there seemed to be this idea that mass had never thought about the existence of the state and like how the state works and i feel like probably mass's response to that coup would be informed by their quite detailed analysis of the power structures they're up against and their own strengths? Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of factors. So I, I think the results speak for themselves in terms of what, what was the correct path to take. Um, but I think when it comes to, you know, the, the masses viewpoint and, you know, t- taking up arms, I mean, I think ultimately it, it, t- it tends to be the case that you only take up arms really when you have no other option left. And despite how repressive the Anya's regime was, uh, it was clear that its, its, its political base was very fragile and that as the mass has been able to do, uh, through a combination, and it cannot be forgotten because now it's trying to be rewritten as, oh, they just voted out the, the, the fascists. But the reality is that the only reason they even got to the point of being able to vote out the Anya's regime was because of almost a year of constant mobilizations. Um, to pressure and force the government to have to, one, hold these elections, so simply hold them, because as I said, they were delayed uh, two, three times, um, to ensure that uh, legitimate observers uh, were, were present there uh, to, so that no fraud could take place, and thirdly, mobilise such an overwhelming number of voters that there was no way that anyone could, could question it. And as I said before, that's why even before official figures had been released, um, you know, people like Anya's had to come out and, and acknowledge the result because they, they were worried that in the absence of official figures and, you know, uh, murmurs about what, what this could mean was another fraud underway, the opposition, you know, sections of the opposition might launch themselves in, into to creating a violence just as they had done last year to try to overturn the, the ballot box result uh, with, with street violence. But I think, you know, the, the, the main leaders of the opposition realised that, that that was a losing fight. Uh, that that it was, in that context, it was going to have to be them that took up the guns uh, because the reality is there was no way they were going to be able to just justify that and there was no way they were going to have the support of the military, um, at least at that point, to once again um, move forward to, to to block the mass from, from coming to power. So the mass has always relied on two things fundamentally. Um, that is uh, using any and every democratic space open to them so never, never giving up on any of those spaces. And I think having gone immediately to take up arms would have been, that would have been a, a rejection of the, what democratic space re- existed there uh, and, and a closure of that towards an armed struggle, which, you know, I think there was no indication that they would have won. There was no indications, for instance, of any fracturing of the military uh, over this question of the coup that occurred uh, last year, much less of the police who have generally maintained a, a large anti-mask uh, stance. So certainly that, that position of use any and every democratic space and always rely on the, on the organization and mobilization of the people. The belief that, you know, uh, as they say, mass, uh, is also in Spanish more. 
Um, so, you know, we, with the people, we are mass. With the people, we are more. Um, and that's always been the, the principle. And it's always been the one that Eva Morales has followed, who's constantly been criticised for all of his political career uh, from sections of the left uh, for always taking supposedly the moderate, the, the, the moderate option. But what has time and time again proven to be the option that has been most in tune with the bases of the social movements and with the broader broader indigenous campesino sectors of, of, of Bolivia. Uh, and that's why the reality is that, say, unlike a situation uh, where you had, a, say, uh, off the top of my head, Cuba or Venezuela, where, where perhaps Fidel Castro or, or Hugo Chavez were almost from the start just the indisputable sort of key figures of, of this process. They, Evo, back in the day, even when the mass started, wasn't even an undisputed leader of the mass. Um, you know, there was a, there was other campesino leaders who, who had an equal or perhaps even greater standing, uh, amongst the social movements. But what Eva has been able to demonstrate in practice, and again, we can talk about mistakes, whatever, but in general, what he's been able to demonstrate is a, a political nous and an ability to really smell which way the wind was blowing and what it was that people wanted, uh, and, and basing himself on that, carve out a path that has led, you know, to, to a situation today where even despite uh, a, a, a coup attempt, the mass has been able to now re- re- return to power and return to power on, 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 an, on an increased electoral majority, uh, something that very few probably uh, would have been predicting, um, uh, certainly any time over the last year uh, since, since the, the last elections where the, where the mass won but were blocked from assuming power. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks for that. Um, I think that sort of covers quite, um, most of, um, some of the, the aspects of the election result that we're interested in covering for this program. I guess, do you have like any kind of final kind of comments, um, you want to kind of sum up this, um, this discussion? Uh, I, I, look, I, I, I would sum up perhaps reiterating something that I, you know, sort of mentioned in, in response to the last question. And that is that there's a, a lot of positives to really take out of what's occurred in, in, in Bolivia. Uh, not, not just the, the positives in the sense of the results themselves, but also to try to, try to analyze and look at what has really happened. So rather than try to analyze what's happened in Bolivia by starting with a pre-existing framework and then either trying to apply it to Bolivia or mm, point out how it, how it breaks from the pre-established framework and therefore is incorrect. Just study and learn and see what, what, what the movements there have done. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we can just replicate the mass here in Australia. I mean, for starters, we don't particularly have, uh, indigenous campesino sector that represents 40% of the population. So, you know, you're already where we're inability to start from the very starting point that they did. But as I said, there, some, the approach that the mass has taken, uh, to, to politics, whether that be the construction of alliances uh, amongst different social movements, whether that be its ability to present a coherent project to society that's been able to expand its electoral base and win over win over other sectors to to back it, whether it's been the concrete policies um, that it's been able to implement that have fundamentally changed um, people's daily lives and made it a real reason to actually come out onto the streets to 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 defend the mass government. The errors that the mass government have made, which explain why it wasn't able to immediately respond to the coup attempt at the end of last year and, and, and defeat that coup attempt immediately and why it instead took a year of debate, discussion, reinvigoration of the social bases uh, in order to get back to the position where it could mobilise its core base and, and irradiate from there a level of support that could ensure the elections occurred and, and won. 
all of these things are, are, are you know, really interesting and really show that ultimately, you know, as much as it's a slogan, it's, it's also true that, you know, people's power really, really does matter. That at the end of the day, people's power will always win out. Uh, of course, it's easier to say the slogan and to work out how do we actually generate, create people's power and build that on an ongoing basis, turn it into an organizational form that can sustain that in the long term. Um, but, but it can happen. Um, it certainly can happen in a context where all the factors seem against the, the mass government, uh, uh, against the, the movement towards socialism. Globally, we, you know, it can be often seem like everything is going in, in, in the other direction, but it's not, not quite the case. It's certainly, yeah, Bolivia is, is one example of that. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next period. Of course, there's going to be a whole bunch of, uh, a need for the government to immediately address some of the problems that I mentioned, the economy, COVID-19, but also have to deal with ongoing problems that it drags from the, 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 the movement toward, from the, the previous Morales government. And in particular, it will be the question once again of how to deal with the relationship between social movements and governments, uh, where we see the problems of how, for example, co-option or integration of social movements in the state can lead to the demobilization. Um, which in large part explains why those social movements weren't ready to mobilise to defend the electoral result last year. But despite that, and despite one would think having learnt those lessons, and despite all the lessons of the last year of the re-mobilisation of those social movements to demand the elections, we already see social movements demanding places in the, in the Eva Morales, in, in, sorry, in the Luis Arce ministry, demanding positions in, in the state, once again, those same problems reappearing. So, it will be fascinating to see how those discussions occur, uh, what, what lessons are drawn from the previous period, what things change, how things are done differently this time to, to move forward. Um, but it will be done perhaps not in as, as a positive situation as was done previously, where you had a lot more left-wing governments uh, in the region, but it's certainly been done in the context where there are perhaps more protest movements in the region. So we see that in Chile and we see that in Colombia, perhaps they're the, the two most uh, Graphic examples of protest movements now that have lasted several months. In Chile's case, I think we're coming to a year now of, of popular protests uh, around a constituent assembly and against the Piñera government. All, all of these factors, lessons that can be learned will, will be really important. And, and of course, expressing our solidarity will be as well. That's been a key factor of why Bolivia is, is where it is today because of the, the international spotlight that solidarity activists, uh, for example, here in Sydney, the the Association for Human Rights in Bolivia, who I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, you know, have, have been able, have been a real part of, of doing that, have all in their own way contributed their, their little grain of sand to, to making this victory possible. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. To continue producing shows like this, we need your support. Consider becoming a supporter for $5 a month, sharing this show on social media, and submitting your own stories. You can do all this at our website, greenleft.org.au.